global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Companies added more workers than projected in February. The 214,000 increase in employment followed a revised 193,000 rise in the prior month. Figures from the ADP Research Institute show. McKesson, a U.S. distributor of medical products, will acquire Rexall Health from its private owner for $2.2 billion to expand its presence in Canada. Monsanto cutting its full-year profit forecast as lower prices for its glyphosate herbicide and a devalued Argentine peso added to the pressure from weaker agricultural markets. Futures lower this morning. S&P E-mini futures down five points. Dow E-mini futures down 38. And Nasdaq E-mini futures down seven and a half. DAX in Germany is up two tenths percent. The 10-year treasury down three thirty seconds. The yield 1.83 percent. NYMEX crude oil down one percent or 35 cents to 34.05 a barrel. COMEX gold is up two tenths percent or two dollars to 12.33 an ounce. The euro, a dollar oh eight four eight. The yen, one fourteen point one nine. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Uh, Karen, uh, thank you so much. From Washington D.C., it is eight forty eight on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Megan McArdle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. About a week ago, as it became clear that Donald Trump was likely to be the Republican nominee, I noticed a new phenomenon among friends and family, lifelong Republicans who were considering voting for Clinton in the fall. So this weekend, I asked Twitter for emails from people like this, party stalwarts who were committed not to vote for Trump no matter what. I expected a few dozen. I got a few hundred. Who are these voters? They're drawn from all ages, demographics, geographies, from Virginia military officers to Indiana farmers to blue state college students. And while they talked about policy issues, most of their issues revolved around character, bullying, impulsiveness, misogyny and racism, narcissism. They especially criticized his authoritarian streak, which made people worry about strong men, fascist dictatorships, nuclear war. Almost all of them hastened to tell me that they hated Hillary Clinton and what she would do in office, but they feared that Donald Trump would be no better on policy and thought he would be quite possibly worse on everything else. Didn't never Trump voters understand what this meant, people inquired? Losing the Supreme Court for a generation? Cementing Obamacare? Raising taxes? They did, but they were unwilling to be associated with Donald Trump in any way, even if that meant spending time in the wilderness. If Hillary is elected, I think the Republic will survive, said one. But if Trump is elected, I have my doubts it will. They may be partisans, but they put their country first of all. I'm Megan McArdle. For more View, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, all of you around the world. Bloomberg Radio Plus Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 960 waking up the Bay Area, San Francisco, Bloomberg 1130 in New York. And here in Washington, good morning, 99.1 FM. Michael? We are in Washington uh, for the aftermath of Super Tuesday, the series of primaries that were held yesterday. It is not Super Tuesday that matters, however. According to Libby Cantrell, who is a PIMCO's uh, political analyst, it is the 15th of March when a, another series of primaries will be held that could bring the contest to a close. We move into a phase where there are a number of winner-take-all primaries in very big states, Florida, Illinois, Missouri, Ohio. And Libby, uh, you think that uh, 
this could be it, it could be over on the Republican side at the end of the day, that day. Yeah, March 15th is undoubtedly going to be a major inflection point. It is, as you point out, Mike, the day that states have the choice of whether they allocate delegates on either a proportional or winner-take-all basis. But importantly, it is also the date of Florida and Ohio primaries, which are winner-take-all states. And those are states where Rubio and John Kasich have to win respectively, in order to, to, to stay in the race. At this point, given Trump's, you know, really runaway success so far, um, I think to the chagrin of some of the sort of so-called establishment in D.C., the, the math just won't work unless you know, Rubio takes Florida, unless Kasich takes Ohio. So really, it's going to be an inflection point in that either the, the, the race is, is effectively over at that point, or it, it continues to sort of limp along, um, you know, at the at, with that with with Trump being the kind of the clear front runner. Tom and I are in Washington for Super Tuesday. We're looking for a place to go for this March fifteenth date. I think Tom favors the Northern Marianas Islands. Winner take all. Nine delegates. Oh, that may there. be that <laughs> may be key. Uh, does the bond market <laughs> start? <laughs> Does the bond market start paying attention on March 16th to what's been going on? We were just listening to Megan McArdle read her uh, latest Bloomberg View uh, article where she noted that there are people in the Republican Party who think the country is in grave danger if Donald Trump becomes president. Well, yeah, from an economic perspective, the, the, the hard thing about Donald Trump is that he's kind of ideologically all over the map, right? So on one hand, if he opposes free trade, which has been part of the Republican platform for, for a long time in terms of opening up trade, um, but then he, he, on the other hand, has a much more aggressive tax policy that, you know, would add from right. estimates around nine trillion to twelve trillion dollars to the debt, so he's he's all over the place. So from a market's perspective, it's hard to get your your arms wrapped around what a Trump presidency would actually mean, which probably is a bad thing for the markets, right? Because markets don't typically like uncertainty. Uh, Libby, uh, if we take it even forward to how you advise PIMCO, when do we care about the electoral process with our investments? I mean, I think it's way overdone, uh, the linkages, but do we care before the conventions? Do we care after the conventions? Can I ignore all this until the third week of October? Yeah, well, I think, again, March 15th from the Republican side will be, will be an inflection point because it will show, it will indicate whether this goes to the convention, honestly, or whether it's, it's over. So the convention, which usually doesn't matter, um, could actually matter pretty, you know, pretty significantly on, on the Republican side. But I think from an investor's perspective, we, we probably shouldn't really start caring until the nominees are firmed up. I think on the Democratic side, it looks like that's probably going to happen sooner than later. But again, the Republican side, that could happen as, as early as March 15th or could, could last up until the convention. So I don't think we should start really focusing on it, though, until we have a good idea on both sides that the delegate mass is going to work out um, to sort of pretend to a, a, a firm winner on, on each side. 
Well, as you point out, Donald Trump's uh, platform is rather incoherent, but Hillary Clinton's is not. She wants to do things like break up too-big-to-fail banks, uh, extend uh, taxation, uh, 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 the carried interest uh, tax uh, to uh, to people in the financial industry. And uh, I'm wondering if, if those sectors start to show some movement – uh, when it becomes obvious that A, she's wrapped up the Democratic nomination, and B, uh, there may be a weaker Republican against her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a good point. Although, if you really look into her regulatory reform agenda, it's really not as draconian as you might think just listening to the rhetoric. I mean, she does want to do some things at the margin, many of which would actually require congressional approval. So it's not even clear. If she were in the White House, you know, would she be able to actually implement her regulatory reform agenda? And on, you know, the other things that you talked about, Mike, on taxation, I mean, she, she does want to address the, the so-called carry interest loophole, but so do the Republican candidates. I mean, that's part of the Republican candidates' tax platform as well. So while the rhetoric might seem extreme, um, you know, and, and maybe this is just Pollyannish, but just given the fact that Clinton has been a creature of, of Washington, the fact that, you know, her husband was sort of the master triangulator and master compromiser, I would think that she would want to compromise more than you might think, again, just given given where the rhetoric has been. I think there's some, there's some areas mm-hmm. of compromise, maybe on corporate tax reform, maybe on entitlements, um, that you could actually see some sort of deal even coming together if she were in the White House with a, with a split Congress. <clears throat> Libby, what will you look for quickly from the Washington establishment within the Republicans in the next 48 hours? They've got one, two, three days before yeah. they get ready, ready for Michigan. What do they do? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you see that you know Ryan and McConnell have both said that they'll support whomever the nominee is, but then they've been a little bit equivocating a little bit more given some of Trump's um, more extreme comments about you know, white supremacists and what have you. So, it, you know, it will be interesting. I think that um, they might, especially McConnell, who has a very vulnerable Senate, as we've talked about, on the Republican side, he might, it might behoove him to distance himself even more from a Donald Trump um, for, you know, for hopes that he can protect some of those vulnerable Republican seats. So, you know, I think if they're, right. they, they equivocate anymore, it's probably an indication that um, D.C. is not going to want to have a lot to do with a Donald Trump nominee, honestly. Right. Well, Libby, it must be a sign of spring. We got through this without talking about your Denver Broncos. Libby Cantrell, thank you uh, so much. She is with PIMCO as we look at our election uh, process. Mike, it's been just an amazing, amazing 48 hours. It has. Uh, it, it has developed as people had forecast, but it's sort of like watching a, a train wreck uh, on the Adams yeah. family. You know it's going to happen, and when it happens, it isn't any better. Yeah. Well, uh, stay tuned for coverage and perspective here again, Michigan. Six days from now, and then on to Florida. I believe it's March. Florida's March fifteenth, right? Yes, I got something right. We'll get Libby back when. Uh, yeah, we will. Peyton Manning makes a decision. I think we'll have to do this. Florida from spring training in two weeks. It's Bloomberg surveillance. <laughs> 